0: Welcome to Door to Door Insider, where we take a deep dive into the mindset, the why, and the how of the industry's top entrepreneurs, leaders, recruiters, and salespeople. We are the Door to Door Nation. Here is your host, Lee Barber. Let's go. All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to episode five of Door to Door Insider. Today we have special guest Adam Webb. Adam, has been, uh, Adam is married and a father of five, and is a San Diego native, he loves anything on a board or in the ocean, which seems pretty, pretty awesome. In his professional career, Adam has 14 years of door knocking and alarms, with an average of 260 alarm sales a year for 13 years, and his best year was 346 alarms installed. In solar, Adam has eight years running a solar integration program, and currently, Adam is the chief revenue officer for Sunder Energy, a company managing 1,000-plus team members. Adam, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks, brother. Stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. So, you know, we, we had a little talk before the show started, and I started in, at Vivint in 2017. Yeah. And that year, unbeknownst to me, all the way up until about September, I ended up being the rookie of the year. But some of the with two hundred and thirteen families protected, some of the original content that I remember, some of the inspirations were, you know, I was watching you, um guys like Doug Cartwright um on the on the yeah. on the videos, you know, listening to Casey and some of those guys just do some of the really inspirational stuff. But you had um some of the, you know, some of the videos on there. So You know, I've been aware of you and your sales ability for a long time. So super excited to get you on here. Um, We'll we'll, we'll dive into some stuff. I want to ask what, what is, uh, because this is my first time hearing it. And I think I know what it is, but the, when you say running a solar integration program, unpack that for me a little bit. What, what, what does that job look like?
1: Yeah. So the entire eight years I was at Vivint, I would have solar closers close on leads that were set by my alarm reps. Gotcha. So there's there's such good margin in solar that you can get paid really well just setting a lead. Mm-hmm. So that's what we would. Do. Yep. So I, I transitioned last year fully into solar, but I've I've been in it for the last eight
0: years in that capacity. Kind of just generating. And I remember back in in 2017 and 18 when Vivint was trying to integrate some of those solar with the the alarm. It's just we're just two different animals. An alarm rep and yeah. a solar rep. It's like getting that transition. So that's awesome man um so i'd like to hear a little bit about um we don't have too much time on the show today you have to go pick up one of your kids which is a a main priority but i'd like to hear a little bit about your childhood um how you were raised how that kind of got you into doors sure yeah my my parents divorced when i was like six or seven my
1: my dad was homeless and he was bipolar and just had some personal issues. So he was around a fair amount, but sometimes he he was in, sometimes he was out. Awesome dad, love my dad. He passed a couple years ago. But my mom worked the night shift. So I, for a lot of my childhood, was completely unsupervised. She would go to work. I'd go to bed alone at like seven years old, wake up alone, make myself breakfast, go to school alone. She'd come home from work, sleep. I'd get home, she'd be asleep. And then we'd repeat the process. So I realized at a young age, I was completely unsupervised, which maybe sounds a little sad or sketchy, but it was so fun. I would be out until <laughs> two a m on a school night. No one even knew. Needless to say, I spent a solid ten years, like not actually accomplishing anything, just having all the fun I wanted. yeah, so fast forward. Once I you know, became an adult, I'm up in Utah, I'm broke, I'm way behind in life, I got a 1.5 high school GPA, <laughs> and it was time to kind of like figure out what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to be a bum like I had been. I knew I needed money. And for some reason, it just seemed apparent to me that if I could learn to sell, I'd be all right. I I could take care of myself in life. So that's why I got into sales and it was nothing.
0: So at that time, you know, so what year, this was 15 years ago. You said you've been in door to door for 15 years. I mean, was was there, was there, you were in, where were you at in Utah? Yeah. Utah. Where at? Provo. So, I mean, well, in Provo, right? You're surrounded. You you have to be surrounded at that point by guys selling, doing door to door, doing summer teams and all that stuff. Was that, was that some of the attract, was that this, the kind of no brainer you were surrounded by people that were doing it or was it just, you just kind of hopped into it? I mean,
1: that, that's how I found out about it. Um, yeah, I mean, back then it was, there were a lot of people doing it, but it was so obscure. Like you definitely didn't tell your parents that you were thinking about doing it long
0: term. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just weird thing. Yeah.
1: But it was a great opportunity. I made great money that first year.
0: Yeah, you know, I just I just did a podcast with Ty Williams and he started back in yeah. you know Ty, great guy, amazing, amazing guy yeah, yeah. being. So he started back in 2002 and that's what he was talking about was like the the 2002, 2005 guys, 2000 those are kind of the OGs and just kind of laying it down. Where it just yeah. wasn't it wasn't like it is now. There was a lot of foundation that had to get laid down. Yeah. Um so so that's awesome, man. So um the first, second, third year Adam Webb Who's that guy? What's he look like? What's he think like? What's his mindset? Yeah. So, my first year, my goals were super low.
1: I wanted to make like eight grand so I could fix this car that I had talked this lady into giving to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pay off some debt, pay rent. Like that, that was really it. I nothing that I had done in my life up to that point would have given me any confidence that I would be a top performer or do anything remarkable. In anything really. So <clears throat> that's, that's how I got started with it. Um, luckily throughout the process, there were some leaders at Pinnacle that kind of saw my potential and fostered it and like inceptioned the idea in my head that I could actually be a top performer. And I believed them and internalized that vision. And that's what changed it for me. So I actually accelerated rapidly. Um, my second year I sold 300, 46 farms, um, in the industry. So wow. it, it was all what, tied. What, what was to your one? Life? like?
0: What was your one? Like 142. That's a massive jump. So it was all tied to that mindset. Yeah. And, and work ethic. So what is it, you know, I, it's funny cause I, I'm just playing back on the, the podcast that I did with Ty and he has something he's working on called players and changers, you know, and a player is somebody who's just kind of playing the game by the rules and a changer is somebody who can kind of see conceptually further down the road. They can see the career in the job. They can see the life-changing opportunities in the job. And it's, you know, when I was thinking about it, I think I turned into a, Ty said he turned into a changer at about year six. I think for me, it was about year two where I started seeing like, hey, I can actually give to other people and fall in love with this. But it sounds like that that piece was in there for you. What was it that the leadership at Pinnacle At that time, because, you know, we come in with as rookies, right? We all have this, like, like, uh, what what do you want in the world? I want to fix my car for eight grand. What was it that they were telling you that was giving you that confidence level or that abundance mindset that was changing the game? Um,
1: It was actually just a call from one of the regionals. It was out of the blue. And he just said, Hey, Adam, I've been, I've been watching you. I've been observing you. I see your numbers. And I just want you to know that I feel like you're someone that can perform at the highest level. And also selling 200 alarm accounts will change your life. Mm. You know, at that point, 200 at the, at the 200 level on the alarm pace, go, you got paid $500 a sale, So that was a hundred thousand dollar mark. So it was like, if you can hit that, it's going to just change your life. And so those two things, like the specific goal that was going to change my life and then belief from a leader that I respected that I could go do that was what shifted my mindset. And then once I paired that with just a ridiculous, sickening work ethic, I mm-hmm. just, I just dominated
0: it. So, you know, we, and, and, and I, I, I can, I can, um, relate with that in, you know, my first year in alarms when, when I had that year, it was just in a massive amount of work. So, you know, just to unpack, what does that first year of work look like? I mean, six, six days a week, 10 hours, 12 hours. What, what, what does your work ethic look like back then?
1: The the first half of the summer was pretty lazy. Again, my goals going out were super low. <laughs> I just went with the first company I could find that was doing summer sales in San Diego because yeah. that's where I'm from. And I'm like, I can go surf with my friends. Uh, my mom can make me lunch. Like awesome. that was how I chose where I went to work
0: my first yeah. summer. Like literally.
1: It. Yeah. Um. So that's, so, sorry, what
0: was the question? How, how much time were you spending on doors?
1: Okay. 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 So the first half of the summer, super lazy. Um, and and then actually the first office I was in shut down completely. Everyone went home mm. except for me and one other guy. And there was a a regional manager that was running a team in another part of the country. And it was like, well... I could go home or I could go join this other office. So I went and joined that other office mm-hmm. and that office was full of like top producers mm-hmm. that were just dominant. So mm-hmm. I immediately found myself in a culture mm-hmm. where everyone was doing three to four times the production mm-hmm. of the previous office. Yep. And I was seeing the paychecks and I was seeing the contracts. And so I just kind of like soaked that stoke and that, that like culture in, infused in me and it mm-hmm. influenced me to think bigger and to, and to go harder.
0: I love that. I see a lot of that in the industry going from, you know, Vivint, which is, you know, just a a huge, massive machine full of culture and then into, you know, a a solar dealership. And I've just seen every angle of the industry and those, those big, massive machines of culture, they are inspiring because you're surrounded by human beings that are just doing, they're uncommon men amongst uncommon men, uncommon women amongst uncommon women, just doing the most they can. So I I love that. Um, So the The first part of your door-to door career, I mean, you go from a hundred and fifty ish straight into three hundred and forty six at, at that point, what is your vision from then to now? How do we turn into that person? And over the years, obviously you you added, you know, when you went to Vivint and we can talk about how you went from Pinnacle to Vivint, but you, you obviously added a ton of value there as a trainer, you were a coveted trainer, you were doing, you know, the, the videos and, and different things on there. So as you progressed through your career, what were the milestones for you, um, in personal growth and in the growth of helping other people and just, you know, changing who you were and who they were?
1: Yeah. It, it all came back to the vision that I internalized, which for six years was just top performing rep. Mm. That's the vision that I had. I didn't see myself as a leader. I hadn't contemplated the possibility of me being an effective leader mm-hmm. because remember my upbringing and, and all that like it just didn't even occur to me like mm. the, the guy above me is the guy that runs the team. I'm just the guy that sells lights out. After about six years, circumstances forced me to see that differently and I internalized the vision of actually being a sales leader, a manager, teaching other people how to be successful and helping them have a great experience on the doors. And as soon as I internalized that vision, like, oh, wow, maybe I could be an effective manager. I dominated at it and I doubled my income and, and derived a ton of fulfillment and passion from managing a sales team. But my vision stopped there. I, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that I might be an effective Regional manager, someone that oversaw multiple teams that led leaders that developed managers until six years later, circumstances kind of forced that upon me. And once I internalized that vision, I dominated and mm-hmm. was amazing and grew and added six figures to my income every year and was like expanding my influence and leading leaders. And it was amazing. So that, that's what I would say. Like my, my progression path was way slower than I, it needed to be. And it was only limited by my own limiting beliefs.
0: So beliefs So, you know, what I, what I hear in that life can force us to grow. Right. So what I hear in there yeah. is, is we, we each have, we each have internal belief systems. We each have a code that's underwritten in our subconscious mind of who we believe we are. Um, there's, you know, people, a lot of people start this career with a fixed mindset as opposed to an abundance mindset, and it takes time to develop an abundance mindset. And some of that's, um, self-belief. And, you know, what I hear in that is that life just forced you into growth. And, and that's what, you know, one of my favorite things about door to door is if you stay here long enough, it will make you grow. It will, you will grow or you will die. So, so that's, that's pretty cool, man. So in your career with Vivint, um, what did you, before you left Vivint, I just like to talk a little bit about what you achieved in your career there. So what were some of your, your career achievements at Vivint?
1: Yeah. I joined Vivint as a manager, uh, grew to become a regional manager, oversaw multiple teams, got up to like 5,000 accounts in production, ran a solar integration program, also did a lot of strategic work for them. Mm -hmm. I'm an inventor on two vivant smart home patents Mm. to the innovation center helped with their training just did like was just constantly looking for any opportunity to create value Mm. and work as hard as I possibly could. Those are my two big things that have gotten me everything.
0: Mm. Yeah. I had a question here. What are some of the greatest lessons you've learned? And it says, outwork, outwork everybody and then create as much value as you possibly can for as many people as you possibly can. What just out of curiosity. So you helped create two patents for vivid. Can I ask what they were? Yeah. One of them
1: uh, covers technology related to integrating any devices to be able to track family members or an elderly parent or stuff like that. And then the other one um, allows for two way monitoring communication through a device, like a doorbell camera. So for emergency responders coming up to the house, they could actually talk through the
0: doorbell. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. You know, it's like you, I think each person creatively has their own internal strengths that they can bring. And some of that's leadership, some of it's creativity, some of it's branding, some of it's just pure sales, you know, and I, I love that you were able to dive in and just add more value to, to where you were. So let's talk about your current spot with Sunder. Um, so you I, you left Vivint and went straight to Sunder. You just were like, I'm going to stop right. with the integration. I'm just going to get dive right into solar. Mentally, it sounds yeah. you were prepared for that because you'd been exposed to solar. What was the what was the transition like for you? As and when, when you were at Vivint, were you selling um, solar or were you just helping with the passes, like creating the the pass Lead. method? Huh?
1: Elite leads and then managing solar. You were,
0: so you had a pretty good idea of solar when you came in. So what was it that you were, you know, you just said, Hey, I'm done with the alarms and I want to dive all the way into solar. What, what was that like
1: for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole eight years I was in the, the smart home industry, I was like itching to get more and more and more into solar. Um, I, I saw my first solar sale and went to my first solar training in 2013. And that's really when I was like, this is incredible. Value proposition for the customer, compensation for the rep. It's amazing. Mm. So I was constantly trying to lean harder and harder into it. Um, And so this seemed like a logical thing to do. Also a change of role. Like I love, I love the field. I loved selling, loved managing, loved regionally managing. All my heart will always be in the field, Mm. but I'm also very strategic and have like an analytical strategic mind. And I have passions around that. And so it made sense to transition into a role where I could
0: have strategic influence too. So what are the current, um, what do you do in your current role? What are the job duties? How do you help the industry? Chief revenue officer. So
1: it's basically running the sales force from the corporate side Mm -hmm. and just doing what I love, creating value around training, recruiting, processes, growth, ideation, innovation, identifying new revenue opportunities. Like Anything that affects the sales force or revenue, I'm I'm all over
0: it. Mm, I love that, man. Um, so you know, and that's one of the things I asked you, what do you think you're best at and why? So we, we covered that. What I what I would like to ask just for some, you know, added value in, in the industry, you know, over fifteen years you've spent a lot of time with reps. Um, you know, we're yeah. You know, male or female reps are kind of the same animal, right? There's a lot of the same emotional characteristics. There's a lot of the same fear base. There's a lot of the same comparison, the competitions that we all go through. What are, what are some of the the bigger struggles that you've experienced in the last 15 years that you've seen, um, you know, team members and reps go through in their careers, um, that you've been able to help them transition through and learn?
1: Yeah. It it goes back to that vision that you internalize. If a leader only sees reps as they are, they will forever remain that way. Mm. But if you see them in terms of their potential, they will constantly expand and rise to that potential. So one of the most important things that you can do as a leader is literally visualize your people in terms of of their potential. Like that rookie rep that's super annoying and all over the place that you're constantly talking off the ledge. Mm -hmm. That person actually has the potential to be your top regional manager, dominating, leading leaders, making millions of dollars. They have that potential within them. Might be really hard to see sometimes, but you as a leader have to persistently hold that, that vision in your mind for them And then it'll permeate your speech, your communication, the way you interact with them, the attention you give them. And subconsciously, they'll respond to that and start maximizing their potential. So that's the biggest mistake I see reps make. It's just limiting themselves, thinking they're not the type that could be a great leader. They're not the type that could be a top performing rep. There's no difference between the the longer I'm in the industry, the more I realized the only difference between the top rep in the entire company and everyone else is just that the top rep has that vision and believes that that's who they are and, and that that's what their potential is. And so they actualize it. That's it. And and hard work, those two things.
0: Yeah. Hard work definitely plays a part, but I think you're right. It's a self-belief system and mindset. You know, um, Brian Tracy says you become what you think about most of the time. And I just hear a, a lot of what, you know, what, what, what I just got from that is, you know, really leadership is servitude. Um, And if you're entering a relationship with another human being on how you can serve them and everybody reacts differently. We have spiritual people, analytical people, emotional people, and really just trying to dig the most out of your team members that you can. And a lot of the times what I've seen from my perspective is some of the people with the hardest time, they can be, they can be just as hard as a worker, but they're so cemented in a fixed mindset. The job of the leader really just is, to get out a hammer and a chisel and to dig their feet out of that mindset and help them believe in themselves. So, you know, I've gone through processes where I believed in people um, because I saw that they had what it took. I've actually just believed in them until they believed in themselves. So I love that. That's it. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's really good advice. Um, so we won't take up too much of your time. I know you have to, you going to pick up your son or daughter. Who are you going to pick up? Yeah, my daughter's a gymnastics. so mm-hmm. I got to go grab her. We can't leave her standing outside the store. So <laughs> a, few, a few last questions here and, and we'll let you go. And I appreciate you coming on. So recommended books, obviously I've heard of all of these, but we got think and grow rich. Um, you said this turned me onto the law of attraction, uh, rich dad, poor dad turned me onto to uh, wealth and the 10 X rule. So think and grow, I, you know, for me, if I said, what's my favorite book, I'd say seven habits. It's a book that just changed my paradigm on life. So think right. and grow rich, just unpack how that changed you. Because when I have guys that write stuff like this out, it was obviously impactful.
1: Yeah. So, um, my dad eventually, you know, he, he married my stepmom, things stabilized for him. He had a little house um, in, in San Diego and it, it pretty meager house. One of the rooms was like a storage room and I would go stay there. Uh, I'd like alternate nights between his house, and my mom's house. And there just wasn't a lot of space. So he kind of built like a twin bed in the, in the closet, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I stayed there, that's, that's where I slept. So I'm in a closet in a storage room, mm-hmm. which is my bed, mm-hmm. And I'm just reading "Think and grow rich. My older brother actually gave it to me. and was like, here, you should read this. And I'm reading this thing and I'm reading things like whatever the mind a man can conceive and believe it can achieve. And this book is, pers- is trying to persuade me. That my current circumstances are really irrelevant. They don't control me. They don't determine my future. Mm. I can have whatever future I want. I can be whoever I want to be. I can become as wealthy as I want to be. And in that moment, in that situation, reading that, I mean, it was like a lifesaver for me. So that's why that book had such an impact on me. How,
0: how old were you when you read that when, at that time? I was like 14. Like, 14. Yeah. And younger than I thought, because I was, I was just, you know, I'm looking at you now and I'm trying to picture the, the young Adam Webb and his, and that's, you know, shout out to your dad too. It sounds like he had a, you know, some rough times and then really got himself yeah. back. So that's awesome too. But there you are, um, you know, with the, the mindset we, a lot of our mindset, in my opinion, comes from our parents, you know, so. If our yeah. parents have a fixed mindset, we grow up around that. And there's, you know, a saying that I'm really fond of never tell your kids, you can't afford something because it implants yeah. a poverty mindset. Yeah. But a lot of parents don't even know they're doing it. So there, you know, in a closet with a little bunk on the floor is a 14 year old Adam Webb with think and grow rich. And instead yeah. of this, this is powerful to me, this moment, just thinking about it, because instead of how many other things could you have been doing? How many, how, how, many, how much could you be complaining? How much could you be feeling sorry for yourself? How much jealousy could you have for other kids that had better circumstances? But there you find yourself with a book that creates a solution and in a closet on a mat on a floor and I've been in some pretty destitute situations myself, so i can i can I can relate to it. but there you are like with think and grow rich and it just changes your entire perception of abundance and then you know go, reflecting back on your story that obviously carried through and when we talk about inception right some of these you know, reading, this is why I go over books because reading the compound effect of reading and self-belief systems and self-knowledge is so powerful. It's literally writing new code inside of people's subconscious mind and the way that we act. And if we go back to that 14 year old, um, Adam Webb in a bunk, in a closet, reading, think and grow rich. That is powerful, man. That is just super powerful. Um, and then, uh, rich dad, poor dad, how'd that affect you?
1: So as a follow-up to thinking Grow Rich, this was probably the second personal development book I read. And same thing, the, the book is awesome. If you haven't read it, read it. It's an awesome story-based format. So it's an easy read. But again, it was implanting this idea in my mind for the first time that I could become wealthy. There was like a process for people like me in my circumstances to become wealthy. Cause if if you had just asked me prior to reading either of those books, what my future looked like, I would have just said, well, it obviously can't be anything than what I'm experiencing right now. Mm. My dad's poor. I'll be poor. Mm. My dad didn't build wealth. I won't build wealth. Like my current circumstance is my circumstance. So those two books shaped the paradigm and rich, and, uh, rich dad, poor dad really showed the format for where it made sense in my mind that I could go from being impoverished to being phenomenally wealthy. Mm.
0: And that's it's obviously worked out quite well, you know. And I did you ever did you didn't go to college, right? Yeah, I got my uh, did. bachelor's in entrepreneurship. Well, and so that's part of it too, isn't it? Just going through college and just excelling through that to where you are now. And then the last one was the 10x rule and how did that affect you, Adam?
1: A oh, man, work ethic. I love that book. <laughs> that book just fired me up um when I read it. Grant was still small, like I actually came and saw him speak in salt lake it was like in a hotel conference room there was maybe like 30 people there yep but when i read that book it was just like yes that is the ticket Mm. like if i just create as much value as i possibly can and i outwork everybody then in time i'll I'll rise to the top Mm. i'll dominate i'll do i'll accomplish amazing things i'll be passionate i'll be stoked so that that was the book that really lit the fire of my work ethic
0: and those sound like they're all fundamental. And then the last book we'll talk about is, and I just learned this on your podcast with um, the fight against mediocrity. I didn't know this. You have a book and what's your book? Yeah.
1: What's yeah, your book? It's called, the, it's called the six figure summer, which okay. is a metaphor. Um, obviously, you know, you go knock doors for a summer, you make six figures, but yep. it's more of a metaphor for like breaking out into higher levels of, of
0: performance and maximizing your potential. I love that. And where can your book be found, Adam?
1: the 6 figure summer.com dope man Written out yeah all
0: right we're going to let you go pick your girl up um from yeah. she's an acrobat where is, where is she at right now
1: gymnastics she's in
0: gymnastics man so yeah, listen I,
1: acrobat sounds way cooler though yeah it does
0: um so listen tons of gratitude man it's it's great to have you on the podcast always been a fan of your content you were an inspiration to me in my early career in 2017 in Vivent, and i've just you know tracked what you've done over the years so very impressive Really appreciate you adding value to the industry um, and coming on the podcast, Adam. Thank you so much, man. Of course, man. Yeah. Thanks for everything you're doing. Taking
1: Excellent. the time to create the content. It's awesome. Appreciate my, it, man.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, bro. Thanks for listening to Door to Door Insider. Contact us with questions and follow us on Instagram at door, the number two door dot insider or at L three, three Barber. That's L three, three B a R B E R. Be sure to rate comment and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. So you never miss an episode.